Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. Kavod Family exists for the restoration of families and the transformation of communities. What's up, Casey? Good morning, brother. How are you? Great. Welcome to the Kavod Family Podcast. You know who we got. We got Travis, myself. And I'm Casey Wilson. A.K.A. Old Man. <laughs> not quite close, huh? 39. Next year I get to burst 40. I'm going to celebrate that one. It's not so much your age, but your mannerisms. Wise. Mm. Stalwart. No. <laughs> not, Dang. <laughs> not where I was going with that. Sore, achy, <laughs> stiff. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm going to claim my words. Well, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the Kavod Family Podcast. Uh, we got some some pretty cool stuff. We're going to be talking a lot over the next couple of episodes about culture. Uh, culture's culture's a big deal. Culture is something that that you've got to create. It's not something that just happens naturally, right? You know, culture can kind of it can go bad real quick. The oh, weeds yeah. can take over the garden, or you can you can till it and you can build this beautiful thing, right? It's I mean, it's the same thing that we talk about with with everything. It's a choice. You either choose to be intentional with setting your culture, or if you choose to be passive or not care or not even know that it's an important thing to prioritize. You're going to create a culture yeah, by doing or not doing. Wow. So naturally, dishonor just rises in the home. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, chaos, fights, arguments. I mean, we're all sinful, man. <laughs> we're all selfish. Like, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm like that. If I'm not spending time with God, I'm like, I want to do what I want to do. And if y'all get in the way with it, you're getting on my nerves and I'm frustrated. Man, this morning I had one boy that was just, you know, he was slow to get up and go to school. And every time you walk in the room, he's got a Lego in his hand and he's looking at you and he's like, I'm making my bed. And you're like, no, you're not. You're playing with a Lego. So me. an hour goes by, right? And it's time to get out the door. And and he's looking at me. He hasn't been able to eat his breakfast that he wanted. Like it wasn't hot. Everything went bad, right? And he's looking at me and I'm like, dude, own this. Whose fault is this? And everything in him was trying to find someone. Yeah someone else to blame absolutely and for like three three minutes he's just looking at me wide-eyed like trying to point point point. <laughs> it's so natural for us to push responsibility off on others right so uh that's what we're talking about culture brother just just to jump into this how would you define culture uh in your gym in your home i mean how do you describe culture? I mean, the easiest way I describe it is like, what is the heartbeat? What is the pulse? So, you know, you put your finger on your pulse, you get your heart rate, like the intensity, the lack thereof, the, I mean, I almost said culture, but I'm trying to describe culture. It's the heartbeat of your family. It is the pulse of your business, of your friends, of your family. Like, what is the day-to-day cadence? How does it flow? How does it format? How do you guys jive? Do you, are you at each other's throats every day? It's the heartbeat of the the organization, the group, the business, the yeah. family, whatever, the team. It's like the fruit of the environment, right? Absolutely. And so are, do you find yourself naturally trying to guide that culture and shape it? It's going to be a cliche answer. When I'm intentional with God, yes. Yeah. Like, And it was really cool because um, obviously we're in football season, and I was talking to one of my coaches. He's got, long story short, we've got a small team this year. We had a whole bunch leave and go to the middle school, so we have a small team. This is this is um, the oldest club. Yep, the oldest group. And I was telling him, I was like, man, and he knows this, that the head coach, I'm like, obviously I'm competitive and I want to win, but like you measure the success of your season based on the culture or the heartbeat of your team. 
And I said, you don't, you're not going to measure the culture and the heartbeat. I'm going to use heartbeat from now on the heartbeat of your team after a football game, because that's, that's like a pinnacle moment. You know what I'm saying? Like you and Jesus, Jesus did it with his disciples. He measured where they need lead and everything in the in-between moments, in the transitions, because that's when you're real. If you're on cloud nine and you won a game, if you lost a game, you're frustrated. Right. You don't measure it then. You measure it as they walk onto the football field. You measure it at practice when they're getting a water break. You measure it whenever they're running out of their parents' car to practice, when they leave and they're getting into their parents. Like all of those in-between moments, you can see how the team, the heartbeat is. Are they happy? Are they defeated? Are they frustrated? Are they angry? Are they fighting amongst themselves? Like you can measure it then. Same thing with your family. Like a general overview Whenever we come home from an event or school or something, do my kids and my wife love being home? Are they always fighting? Do we hang out together? Are we always in separate rooms? Like, what is the heartbeat? Like in my gym, are we laughing, cutting up? Are, are we having a good time or are we just here miserable in and out, not talking to each other? That's the heartbeat of what's happening. Okay, so that's a great picture there. Uh, so you're a coach every day that you, I mean, you used to coach a lot more classes every day. Now you're coaching at least one a day. And, and, to get that environment that you know everyone needs, you've got to come in of lead, right? I mean, many times you're the one that's stirring the pot and provoking and bringing in joy and laughter, but also focusing us in and making sure we're moving correctly. Absolutely. You're, you're, you are the thermostat, whether you're a coach, whether you're a father, a mother, a, a coach for a football team, business owner, whatever you are, you are the thermostat. If you're a believer in God, you should be the thermostat anywhere you go. And to know what you need to be, whether you need to burn hot or dial it down, like that's all based on God. Like when people come in, and that's why it's imperative that you know your people, whether it's coaching them, your family, your kids, like don't be, don't be absent, like be in the moment because then you will see what they need. Like my son all the time, he's always talking, always talking, always talking. I can see whenever he's just bored and trying to be annoying and get a rise. And then I can see whenever he legitimately is working through something and needs guidance, so like it's like that in a class. Like generally speaking, I know if someone wants to get stronger, if someone just wants to move, if someone this is their their only time in their day for community, for communication with another human. Maybe they work at home all day on the computer yeah. by themselves. So how I lead them is different, but I'm always the thermostat. And I listen to God, I'm like, what do these people need right now? If they need energy, they need to be silly, they need to laugh, they need to have fun, we'll dial it up. If they're super stressed, I can see some days we come in. I'll completely change what we're supposed to do because I can tell that nobody's interested. Their bodies are beat up and banged up, and like I will dial that down. But the principle of that, it, it carries over into any family, team, business, whatever it is. It's the same thing. It's the heartbeat of it. Right. And as a Christian, especially as a Christian man, but as a Christian, you are the thermostat. You are the one that displays power and strength and changes it to whatever God says that it needs to be. Yeah, You can either be intentional with that or you can be lazy with that and the culture will set itself, which most of the time is terrible <laughs> and it's hard to fix. So perfect segue because that's where we want to start. So this is going to be a multi-part series, a number of different episodes. We're going to get into honor. We're going to get into love. We're going to get into these different cultures and these these um, pieces of culture. Yeah. Pulses. Yeah. That we want to to be proactive towards. Intentional with. Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, so, But to start that, the, the way that we start this whole conversation is right where you said, we have to have somebody that's intentional to set that tone, right? So this all begins, culture begins with somebody leading that culture. Uh, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a father in a home, there has to be someone in that environment that's going to set the tone. 
and it should be the leader in that place. And, and I mean, if you are a leader and you're not shy about taking charge and setting a culture, how do you know what culture to set? Exactly. How do you know what to prioritize, what not to prioritize, what's important, what's something that is an attribute of sin and you need to intentionally eradicate and, and bring to life and fruitfulness, you know? And when, like, I'll come home, here's just an example of what I'm trying to say here is brothers and sisters, they bicker. Absolutely. Like, in the gym, I've got really close friends that are like brothers, and we smack talk and bicker all the time. There's a healthy line of that where you're provoking each other and you're getting more work done and it's fun and it's teasing. And then there's breaking each other down, tearing each other apart and it's not good. And as a father or as a a Christian period, you are the thermostat. So it's my job when I come into the house with my daughter and my son to hear the language behind the language when they're talking to each other. Sometimes they're poking and it's fun and they're legitimately brother and sister and they love each other and they're just having fun. And there's other times where it is low blows, it's going for blood, and it's not good. Not literally physical, but their words are aimed to cause harm. Yeah, it's divisive. It's not... And it's, it's my not. time to set to set that tone and to explain, guys, like, I love, like, you know very well that I love smack talk. I love stirring the pot because it's fun and it's playful and it, and it alleviates tension in some areas where there's a lot of tension. Sure. But if you do it wrong or excessively or with a unguided heart, it's it's destructive. It's crippling. Yeah. So I'll sit down with my kids and explain to them, guys, you see me do it with my brothers. And sometimes you guys do it and I don't say anything, but sometimes I do. Like, wh- what's the difference? And they're like, oh, I don't know, Dad. Here comes another talk. But I'm like, but for real, though, like, you guys are being, like, evil and mean to each other right yeah. now. I said, whenever I die, or let's not even go that far. When you guys leave my house, I want you guys to get lunch occasionally with each other. Yeah. Like for you to enjoy each other's company, to go and get lunch as brother and sister. Yeah. For Reed to one day love Ezri's husband and they bro out together. Yeah. And I, I, I give them these visions and these stories. Like that's the aim. That's what God would want. What you're doing right now, that will never happen. If you're not, yeah. And there's, there's a balance with it. There's fun playfulness, which you guys know. And then there's, I'm going for blood. And I get them to think about these bigger things, and it sets this tone and this culture, this heartbeat in my family. And they know when it shifts, I'm coming into the room. Yep. And they flirt that line a lot, but that's something, that's just an example of like, we need to be intentional with certain things in the culture. Like, what are those certain things? Where would you find these things if you don't have an idea of how to set your culture? Where would you find these things? So let's go where our conversation started, right? Because we, we started... As we were brainstorming over these next couple of episodes, we we eventually landed on Second Timothy one seven. It was this verse that you pointed out, and it starts with power, love, and a sound mind. Right, like that statement there. Let me read the verse for you. Two Timothy one seven. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self control. Uh, and you you pointed out something there. Just the order of those words, right? Like it doesn't start with love. It doesn't start with self control. It starts with this word power and what that means. Expound on that for a moment. What you were talking about? I was kind of shocked because I've I've heard that and I've quoted it and I've seen it a million times. But like you always think of Jesus as love, and like obviously there's a million different ways of love, especially nowadays. But like how Jesus loved was different than how most of this world loves. Yeah. So whenever he talks about the spirit that he gave us is not a fear, 
that makes sense. So the the first attribute, the first adjective that I would assume that he would describe it is love, but it's not. It's power. And when you think of that, what does power demand? It demands a response. It demands attention. Like you, you earn respect. There's there's street cred. There's clout with power. Yeah. But power can also be a tyrannical dictator jerk. So how is power bridled and led with a second adjective in that? Right. It's like that word meekness, right? It's that controlled strength. Exactly. You know, it casts a shadow of safety and security, and yet it's not just violent. Absolutely. And you've, I know everybody's heard Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson talk about it's better to be a warrior, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And how he, he talks about men, you should become an absolute monster in everything mental toughness, physical shape, like everything. You should be a savage and control it. You know, I, I totally agree with that quote. And then I look at you and I look at Jeff and I look at how much food Jeff eats. I don't want that man near my garden if I'm trying to survive off of what's coming forth from it. That man would eat absolutely hey, every bit of food. I think uh, <laughs> I think in scripture, Casey, it talks about them breaking loaves and feeding 5,000. <laughs> so this word power, it's also in the Greek, it's the word dudamus. And it, 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 it means power, but let me read a few other things that it, that it describes here. It says strength, ability, power. Uh, and, and then it goes on and it says this word inerrant power, uh, a power that's residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. And so we're not just talking about physical strength. We're not talking about earned strength. We're talking about inerrant power, this virtue that we have because of who we are in the position that God has placed us in. Okay. And so you have been placed as the business owner over Kavod Fitness, right? You've also been placed as the husband and father over your home. That's, that's something that God has given to you. It's in your nature and, and that's an authority. So talk about the difference between recognizing this is something that God has given to me versus something that I'm earning. Um, I almost want to hit something before I segue into that. This isn't just for men. It is specifically for men in a different capacity, not better, or we've, we've hit that before in the Patriarch series. It's not better and women are less than, it's just different. But it says Christians are more than conquerors. Sure. Like if you were to look up the definition, and we've done this before in the podcast, I'm not asking you to, but look up the definition of what a conqueror is. And Jesus says we are more than. Yeah. Like that is mind-blowing. So if we take that and then zoom into the father role, like these are attributes, just, just that one simple thing there. If you believe in Jesus and what he's, he died for us, forgive us for our sins to bring us in right standing with God, then you have access to what he has access to because he loves you and he freely gives that. He says that you're more than conquerors from birth. You don't earn that, that title of more than a conqueror. Let's just say conqueror. You don't earn that. That is given to you. Yes. And if you look at David, Dave, I love King David because it's a perfect example of that. He is a shepherd. The, the family's quality of life, their wealth was in their livestock. And he was out there tending to sheep. And he, it talks about him killing a bear, him killing a lion. We know he killed Goliath. We know that he became this warlord. Then he became this king. But none of that gave David the confidence in his kingship and in him becoming the king. None of the successes and the victories and the, the killing the lion as a kid, the bear as a kid, killing Goliath as a young man, none of that gave him the confidence to step into the next role. 
his confidence came from his worth in God. Right. And his worth in God, like those, and this is something that God taught me so long ago, and it's and it's so amazing. The things that you go through in life do not form and create you. The things, the hard things that you experience in life do not make you stronger. The hard things that you experience in life are supposed to teach you how you were made from birth. Like God put that strength and that more than conqueror and the leader and the son of God or the daughter of God from birth that was inside of your heart. And you you were separated from that with sin. So God has redeemed that. And then as you start to experience life and you encounter these hardships, those hardships don't make you better and stronger. Right. Those hardships allow you to understand how wonderfully you've been made and how he sees you and how he adores you and how he sees you as a son and daughter. And your role as a son and daughter gives you access to everything in him. Yes, it's that you picture are, of the prodigal son who, <clears throat> being a son of the king, has access to everything. And yet he steps outside, right, being lost, being gone. And then he, when he comes back, he's completely restored. Absolutely. Right. And if you start to see yourself from that lens, it it frees you from the fear of man, from fear in general, because he did not give us a spirit of fear, yeah. but of power, love, and of self-control. So those, those three things there, power, love, and self-control, like that is how you are to set the pulse, to set the culture, the heartbeat of anything that you're in. Whether you are a nobody coming into a room uh, like we've been to a few town council meetings and, and commissioner meetings lately, like you could be just a town member going in there, but the weight that you carry, if you know that you are God's daughter or God's son, you can change the room yes. because the king lives inside of you and you can be his ambassador and share his love and his words and his insight and his encouragement. And you can shift. I mean, literally people have shifted nations because of their their intentionality and focus on God. So the point of all this is, is Jesus had, I mean, Jesus was God's son, and he only said what the Father said and did what the Father said. But it says that he spoke with authority. He taught with authority and power. And if you look at authority and power, it demands a response. It demands respect. So whenever he would cast a demon out of somebody— and then he would look at you and tell you how to live your life. Like there was a there was a weightiness there that you're like, man, did you see what he did? <laughs> All right, like I'm gonna listen to you. So that that is our role as Christians to understand. Like we have that weightiness just because we're God's son and daughter. Yeah. And it's our job to be the thermostat with those who are around to lead them, to set the culture, to set the heartbeat of what God would want done wherever we are. You see it in him when he first comes on the scene. And he, he begins to gather his disciples. He doesn't go up to them and invite them like, a, hey, would you like to come with me? This is going to be a difficult journey, but there'll be some highlights. He looks at them and he just says, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and, and there's that weight and authority, right, of come, follow, walk in my shadow, walk in the covering of who I am, right? Like if you ever want to do an incredible word search on this whole identity and what Travis is talking about, about being in the authority of God. Look up the two words in him in the New Testament, that phrase in him, and it's repeated over and over and over in Ephesians, Colossians, many other places. And you'll start to realize that your strength, your power, your authority, your identity is in him, right? It's not in who I am or what I'm becoming or what I'm doing, my talent or uh, the skills I'm learning, the disciplines I'm applying in my life, those are all products, right, 
even when it comes to health and nutrition and all of those things, as we begin to diet or exercise, we get stronger, but that's not the kind of authority that you're talking about. We're talking about an authority that comes from him. And as, as you say, when you're born again in him and begin to walk in him, it's, it's a weight, it's a, it's a jacket, it's a cloth that's put on you, right? It's the Holy Spirit coming to abide in you that begins to lead you, right? That's that, that authority. And then it's fleshed out as sons, and you can have authority as sons. You can be a right son. You can be an obedient, good, submissive, following son that begins to walk in the shadow of his father. That's that's how you learn to be a good leader and to be a good father or to be a good – and when we say sons, that's also applicable to daughters. If you're yes. a good daughter, you're then going to be a good mother. Right. Like you understand the function of a family, yes. of the the body of Christ, and your role in that. Yes. That, that is that is an awesome picture. This is what we're after. This the, the beginning of this culture that we want to create or that we believe that you should cultivate – in your home, it begins with somebody leading in their identity, in their power, in the authority that God has given to them. Um, let me ask you a question, because we, we talk to mothers and fathers. We, we have an audience of business owners and different things. For you, and I know my answer to this, is your culture greatly different at home versus in the business world? No. My, my aim is to make my culture, my heart be in the business the same exact thing as my family. And if I can, to make it the the literal same thing, like an extension, like my kids will call my staff, uncle, aunt, sister, big brother. Like the idea is that it's not separated because my mission for my business is the same mission as with my family. It's to disciple everybody that I'm around to bring them to the shepherd, to Jesus, and let him guide them and lead them. So when we sit with people, my and it's so freeing. It, it sounds so complicated. Like you have to set the culture. You got to know what the culture is and how to do it, and what you stand for. <laughs> like God has all those answers. Your job is just to listen to Him, to read your Bible, to ask Him. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into my house or into my business, and there's something that I just know that isn't right, that I don't like. Something needs to change. Culture, heartbeat, whatever, attitudes, personalities. I'm like, all right, God. I don't have a clue on how to bring up this conversation, how to fix this. I know it's not right. Can you show me scripture? Like, I don't know what to do. And in my weakness is his strength. Scripture talks about that. So I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the right things to do, and I won't. He does. So I do my best in those moments where something is off to go to him immediately and ask, how do I fix this? What do you want in this? Okay, show me how to lead them in this. Show me how to to shift this culture, this heartbeat back on you and to focus it on you and to keep it on you. What does that look like? And I wait. And sometimes I know and it's amazing. And other times I don't know. And I, with my best judgment of his character and what his goal is, I, I move in it. And he's a good father. And if I mess it up, he'll be like, all right, good try this next time. And I'm like, okay, cool. Fair enough. You know, and we go like that. So that's at home. That's at the workplace. If you walk in and you just see something that is out of place, you can feel it. You can even see it. Uh, You don't act immediately unless you know, but otherwise you'll go and sit with the father. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that is, that's exactly where I was going to go. There has to be that impulse in you as a leader to actually pause Right to go and sit to hear from the, the the thing in Jesus that kept trying to get away in the garden to get away to the mountaintop to get alone so he could pray and be alone with the Father right because if you don't do that if your dependence if you don't develop that kind of 
meekness, that dependence on him, you begin to act in your own strength, exactly, your own wisdom. But then it's not, and I don't want you guys to think, because this isn't practical, to every time there's a problem, you go run and hide away and go pray for 30, 40 minutes and come back and have an answer. The idea is that you're in such close relationship with the Father that in the moment you start to hear him and you start to know. And this actually, I'll give you a worldly example of this. And most men won't understand this, and the moms will be like, whatever. But we were at football practice, and these two kids hit, and it, you know, the pop when the shoulder pads hit, the helmets hit, pow. And they're in front of me. I know the kids, I know their personalities. I'm a dad. I was where they were. And they both lay there, and they're rolling around. And I'm next to two moms next to me, like, oh my gosh. Oh. And then all the football coaches, the assistant coaches run over. And I look at the moms, I was like, boys are faking. And they're like, what? You're so rude. You're mean. How, how do you know? What do you think? And then the head coach says, all right, get up. We got to play football. We ain't got time for this. Both get top up and they go to their position. They play and they're fine. And my point in telling that story is when you're in tune with God and when you get reps and like, I mean, even when you're a construction worker, a contractor, you make the wrong cut probably a million times. And then you know ways to make it faster, make it seamless. You know what's about to come up and you, and you make it work from your errors and from time spent with God. Yeah. And then you just start to know these things. It's imperative that you stay connected with God. You double check with God. You go spend time with him. But like the, the goal is that you spend time with God all the time. You never are apart from him. So in those split-second situations when you don't have time to go run up on the mountain and pray like Jesus did, you're in tune with him. Your you're mind not, and your heart are still separate. Exactly. Yeah. And you just know. There's times where my son's pitching a fit, and I'm like, literally— Shut up and get over it. Quit being dramatic. You're being dramatic right now. You need to learn how to become a young man because you're going to be a father one day and you can't just fly off by your emotions. Yeah. And that's it. And he's done and he moves on and he's happy. Then there's other times that I can tell and God's like, he needs time with that. And I'll sit with him and I'm like, what's going on? He'll open up and we have this deep conversation. But like, that's not the answer every time. Sometimes you enable a child if you talk about it all the time. Yeah. But you don't know that unless you're listening to the Father. There's times where I can tell he's just in a mood. And I'm like, do you, do you want me to deal with you? And he's like, no. And he, he comes out of it immediately. But you learn how to do that by being in constant relationship with God. Yeah. So if you were to open up your scriptures and start reading the Old Testament, you would see these stories of men that, that succeeded and failed. And there's a connection between their successes and their failures, and it's really closely related to their walk with the Lord, their dependence on him. You look at the life of Abraham, the times that he's close to God and he's walking with God, he executes well in the favor of God. The times that he's alone and he's making decisions on his own, God's voice is not present, right? He stumbles and he falls. He makes some very poor decisions. You see that in David's life, Elijah's life. You see it throughout the entire Old Testament. And then you also see it in the New, right? That's the life that we live in. And you know what's cool about that is even our failures, if, if you're in that place, like your son, for instance, it, your failures should, if you catch on to it, project you back onto God rather than lead you further away, right? But if you find yourself to where you realize, oh my goodness, I'm just giving my own natural wisdom or I'm allowing something that, that, that I shouldn't, this is against God's will. This isn't what he desires for our home. It throws you back onto the dependence of him, right? And that's what he wants. Like if anybody comes to the gym and they mess up, I'm like, A, I'm going to come over to you, but B, like, I want you to come ask questions because when you mess up, it's a teaching moment. Yeah. And if you get better from it, it, was, it wasn't a failure. Yeah. But if you are quiet and you just sit in it and you don't move, then it is a failure because there's no progress being made. Yep. 
most successful business owners, fathers, coaches, NFL teams, they have messed up enough and received instruction on how to not do that again, and they've gotten better, and they've gotten better, and they've gotten better, and they've gotten better. Like, that's the idea. When you mess up, you run to the father. When your kids mess up, they should feel comfortable. You are the thermostat. You are the sense of power and authority in that house to say, when you mess up, come to me. And they're like, but you'll be mad at me. Like, we literally had this conversation the other night with Reed. He ran to mom to go tell mom something. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, you're just going to get mad. I said, no, I'm not. So, A, to me, that's like, okay, <laughs> I, need, I need to make sure that he knows that, A, the times that I'm being sarcastic, that I'm joking with him, and, and clean that up. I said, do I ever get mad at you for something that you've done? And he's like, yeah, well, no, you're mad at you know, the outcome or something. I'm just like, okay, so what do I always do? He's like, you teach me. And he's like, like you, you restore the relationship, and you tell me what I should have done. I said, okay, so every time you mess up, what's, why do you come to dad? So you can teach me. I'm like, no, what's bigger than that? And he looks at me and kind of glazed over. I said, I want you to run to me when you mess up because it teaches you I'm not going to be there all the time. You're not going to be able to call me. One day I'm going to be dead. You need to go to the Father every time you mess up. He will correct you. He will tell you where the standard went off, where you messed up, but he will guide you. I said, if you tell me something, I might look at you and you'd be like, wow, that was stupid. But like my value of you does not change. How I view you, I love you the same. What you did, yeah, it might have been stupid. I might be like, what What were you thinking? Right. But like, okay, this is how we fix it. This is how we do better. This is what Jesus says about it. This is what Jesus probably would have done. And we have these great conversations, and you feel better, and you don't do it again, right? Yeah. So come to me every time. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's not just a story about a man who comes and dies, a perfect Savior who dies for the sins of the world and pays this fine so man could be restored or rescued, it's that that rescuing actually restores you to the Father. And so, you know, when when he opens that door through him and says, now you have access, peace and access to the Father, as Roman says, it's that that's what is is the the victory. That's the win. That's the treasure. And if you look at that, that is a perfect display of power and of strength. And the next step was love. Like Jesus came, he, he left heaven, he removed his deity and came as a man but still fully God, that was power and strength. He subjected himself to all of the pain and suffering of this world. That was power and strength. And then what did he do? He loved us while he was here. And he had self-control because it says he could have called down legions of angels, thousands of angels to take him off the cross and just take over. Self-control not to, and using his power and strength not to for the prize of love for us. Yeah. Like, that is the epitome of setting the culture. Yeah. So uh, we're we're coming to a close here, uh, Travis. There's a lot of listeners. Let's let's shoot forward to application here and give them a few points of of things that they can do at home to develop this this inner heartbeat, so that way culture flows from them. But we're also talking to not just fathers and husbands. We're maybe talking to employees. We're talking to singles. We're talking to young teenagers, right? Because all of us are trying to shape our pulse onto God. We're trying to get our our culture, the culture of, of me, to become the culture of Christ, right? That's what we're longing for. And, and so how can we do that? Practically, what can be done this week, today, tomorrow, as you're listening to this podcast? What can you do to begin to set yourself apart so that way culture flows from you? Self-assessment of yourself. Like constantly, I will look at how I respond to something, 
how I'm being selfish, annoyed, frustrated. And I'm like, what, what is that? Why is that? And you need to see truly, like how I said, you measure culture and you measure the heartbeat in the in-between moments. Like the constant state, if you were like, here's an example. When you see my mom in the other office, what is her constant steady state 99% of the time? Joyful. Exactly. So like, that's how you see it. And you see moments where she gets stressed. You see moments where she's frustrated, but her constant state, her heartbeat is joy. And like, that's how you look at yourself. Like, am I constantly worried, frazzled, overwhelmed? Am I happy? Am I angry? You need to self-assess and see what, like, what is my constant steady state? Okay. Is that what God would want? If it's not, then I need to go spend time with him to fix it and figure out what's wrong. That's so important because even if you just think about health in the body, when you live under a state of stress, it leads to other sicknesses, disease, cancers. As a father figure or as somebody in the workforce, if you're providing an environment of stress to others, you're just feeding that kind of culture, right? And so you want you want that to change. You want to come under the culture of Christ to where you are feeding, and we'll get into this more, joy and optimism, right? Those kind of virtuous things right? Fearless, courageous, those kind of, that heartbeat. So that way it changes, it changes the culture. Um, so I, I love what you said there, self-evaluation. I'll go another direction and that is initiative. There's a lot of guys and a lot of people that just need to hear the reality that God wants you to step into that authority that he's given to you, right? To take the step, to take the lead. There's a great book and I've referenced it before. It's called The Marks of a Spiritual Leader. It's a small, small, small book. You can find it. And it opens, it begins with this one sentence, and I think it's powerful. It says, I define spiritual leadership as knowing where God wants people to be and taking the initiative to use God's methods to get them there in reliance on God's power. So that idea that you, you one, got to be in step with God so you know where God wants other people to be. That, that you need to know where God wants your wife and your children, your employees, the people around you to be, right? And that's primarily in a healthy relationship with, with him. It's to be with him. <laughs> it's to be with him. And then you've got to take the initiative to get them there, to help them come into that, right? So uh, that's what we mean by power. That's what we mean by the pulse. That's what we mean by leadership. You know, you want to set that shadow for your employees and for others to grow up in. So stay tuned. We're going to get into so much more. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Kavod Family Podcast. Please like, share, and leave us a review. If you've enjoyed this content, or if you're familiar with some of our programs and partners in the Kavod Family Network, please consider becoming a donor at Kavod Family slash donation. God is in the process of restoring all things to himself. That begins with the person. That person is part of a family. And that family belongs to a community. Kavod Family is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry.